Welcome to What's in the Box, the show about us not being able to remember any actors' names, why Jonathan Nolan is American, and nothing else. And Dumbo. Podcast is back. Oh, Jesus Christ. Hit record, Tristan. Hit it. What were you saying about Chris Evans? <laughs> How the fuck is Chris Evans 37 today? Because he looks like, he just looks like so much more of a man. <laughs> and um, like, I, I read on Twitter today, it's like, Chris Evans, 37 years old. And my first thought was, oh, fuck, I've done nothing with my life. Are you saying this because both of us are 37 this November? Yeah, but basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, God. I've done nothing with my life. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't go, you can't go Brosnan on me again. <laughs> go, I've forgotten how to Brosnan. You can't go full Brosnan. I what Brosnan's all about. Um, what was Snowpiercer like? <laughs> Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer is bizarre. Like, it's beautifully photographed. Mm. Like, it really is. I've got, I, in my, I've got like, um, this folder that I basically just rip shots from, just yeah. for inspiration and stuff like that. There's at least four shots in from Snowpiercer. Right. In that, it looks gorgeous, but it's just batshit and makes no, I, I was about to say, wait a minute, I was about to get him. it makes no sense when they start moving through the train, but like, hang on, you've already accepted that the only survivors for humanity are on a train Is that that's made of perpetual motion and constantly going around the world Is and never stopping. Yeah, pretty God. much. And the whole of society has evolved basically on this train so you've got the working class what how big's this train it's pretty long is it but it's only for, like, I can't remember how many people are on it in total it's only going to be a, like a couple of thousand if that so it's like a giant city train kind of yeah each carriage represents yeah. so there's like a school carriage eventually yeah. the further towards, sounds really good the further towards the front you get the more upper class and crazy it gets course, so you, you get all the people who are like fucking posh and doing drugs and yeah. all sorts of shit but you're just kind of looking there's no point do you actually go Oh, that's where these people live. Right. Do you know okay. what I mean? Like, there's no sleeping quarters or rooms or anything like that. So why are they on a train? Why is the world turned into a place the end where of the world? Because it's, it's is like a post-apocalyptic future. Snowy. It's all snowy and cold. Oh, like a sort of cold water world. Cold world. Snow world. Yeah. Snow piercer. Um, but what's Chris Evans's character's role in that? He's like a terrorist, or he's basically one of the downtrodden. And, Fair enough. And he starts. <laughs> they take children. They come from the front to, and take children. That's the new thing that started happening. Oh, what rich kids? Uh, there's somebody who comes from the front, like their their representative. Yeah. Right, and they've come and they pick. Basically, they pick children. Like if they've got. I'm trying to think what the woman's name is. Fucking hell, she was going to play Bowie. Whoa. Tilda Swinton. I could see her playing Bowie, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I could see any weird-looking girl playing David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> but I say Tilda Swinton, like, measures kids, like little kids, and then takes them and they're never seen again. Yeah, right. It starts off with, like, getting those kids back, amongst other things. Um, and then it turns out, like, the food that they've been eating, you find out what that actually is at some point, because they eat this fucking horrible, like, gruel stuff. But Tristan, is it is it worth a watch? Probably. What? Yeah, like watch it, watch it once. How many stars out of five would you give it? Three. It's an unusual film. Oh. It's got John Hurt as well. John Hurt's in it. John Hurt being solid as usual. Okay, cool. How have you been, by the way? Yeah, I'm fine. It's been a while, hasn't I it? I don't care how you've been. That's why I've been asked. You bought a house. Bitch. See, this is why we've been away. This is why I've been away for a while because Chris has been buying his first house. 
Yeah, I bought a house, had to move into a house, couldn't do a podcast because uh, I was moving house. It's just difficult and uh, requires lots of uh, preparation. You got a sex dungeon though, didn't you? Yes, that's true. Um, two sex dungeons, one in the attic and one in the dungeon. So it's a sex attic. It's a sexy house. <laughs> it's, um, so what that's meant though is that I haven't really been able to see any films. Yeah, because we were going to do... <laughs> so what were we going to do? We were going to do there's Solo. Nothing out, no, because there's we, nothing out. We were going to do Jurassic... Don't you hate oh, no, there's summertime. Be, oh, don't, don't you hate summertime, summertime when you couldn't go and watch, like, else. Jurassic Park or Solo or whatever. Deadpool 2. Whatever, yeah, Deadpool there's 2. Nothing there's nothing out. Nothing on, is there? nothing out. At all. It's not worth it. Anyway, we should have a holiday. Tell you what I did want to talk about, though, mate. Did you know that the new Dumbo trailer has landed by Tim Burton? Tristan's left left the room in disgust. In disgust. <laughs> uh, so that's Dumbo. By the way, before I go into letters, did you know it's exactly today, the as we record the 14th of June, exactly three months until what comes out? The correct answer is that it's exactly three months until we become disappointed by Shane Black's Predator. <laughs> to this September the 14th it looks like it's going to be balls I don't know I can't I don't understand the people that think it looks good it looks like Alien vs Predator Requiem don't, don't that is bang out of order no, I don't think it that's will bang out of order the thing is I don't think it will be because I quite like Shane Black his yeah. stuff he was in the original Predator for God's sake yeah he was yeah um, the, the good one yeah or Predators is no. also good I no. like that it goes Predator Predators Predator 2. Predator 2. Although that is, no, Alien versus Predator. No. Yes, Predator 2, okay. Alien versus Predator Requiem. That's the order, officially. Here there here. must be another Predator film, though, no? There's Caravan of Courage, where, <laughs> there's Caravan of Courage, where the Predators, where the, some people crash on a planet full of Predators, and they start teaching them that horses can fly, and they rescue the family from a cage monster. What, I've got some letters that have come in. Go on, um, as I said, it's a bit of a slow time for films at the moment, so uh, it's what a shame. It's nothing hammered by a blockbuster every week. You've seen some decent them. films, haven't you? I've seen all of them. You haven't seen Deadpool 2? I have seen Deadpool 2. You haven't seen Han Solo? I've seen Solo. You haven't seen the Jurassic Park one? I won the competition and saw the film. <laughs> what? Well, you did actually win a competition, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. What did you have to do to win it, and what we did you win? Just pull, we had to get into one of those... Sphero. Hold on, hold on. Where were you? At Comic Con. Which? Why? Where's that? London. With me in London with Mish. Yeah. And Mish said we should go and do this, so we did. What? You basically just go and get your picture taken. You've got one of those. They've got one of the Spyro ball things. You, you were in. A, in you were in a Spyro ball. Yeah. Is, is that what they're called? Whatever. One of the fucking balls. Yeah. They've got one that's smashed up with a little backdrop and a velociraptor and you just go and sit in it, get a picture taken, hashtag it, send it out, and then win loads of stuff. That picture is incredible though, so you deserve to win. What did you win? We won all the Jurassic Parks. You won two, three, and four, and, and Lost World. Or yeah. No, one, two, three, fuck. One, two, three, and what's it even called? Jurassic World. It's Jurassic. called Jurassic World. I heard that Jurassic World, the latest one, is the same as the second Jurassic Park, which was called The Lost World. It is very, it's very similar to that, but two things. One, it's not mired by an awful sound mix. What? Do you know what I remember? Like, everybody watches Lost World. You couldn't hear a fucking word of that movie. It's the earliest I remember being aware of sound. Uh. In, no, in, you know, in terms of... It's like anything. Like, if it's done well, you don't think about it. 
Yes. Yeah, like editing and cinematography. It just shouldn't call attention to itself. No, exactly. And we sat in the cinema and couldn't... There were so many muffled lines and... Muffled possible weights. Yeah. Possible, possible. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty much that plot again, but better. Is this called The Lost Kingdom? Fallen Kingdom. Uh, Lost hell. World. Keep up with these. Jurassic Dinosaur World film, though, Fallen that's Kingdom. Four years. The second Jurassic Park film... The second Spielbergo film yep. um, had some incredible set pieces in it. One incredible set piece, which is where they're in that trailer and it's hanging off the cliff. Oh, was that too? Yeah, that was very good. How good is that? That was very good. There's, I, they, I don't remember watching a set piece and being like that tense mm. in 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 a long time. I tell you what was great about uh, Fallen Kingdom, Extinct Face, or whatever it's fucking I'm not, called. I'm not going to talk about the set piece from Jurassic Park Two. Do you want to talk about? If you, I'm sorry, I thought. Well, I thought you were finished. I thought you were finished. Well, I just say it. No, it's like we had a phone that was going to crack through the thing and you thought that something was going to happen, but it didn't. I haven't seen it since we saw it at the cinema when we were 15. Isn't it that you think that the trailer's going to fall off the cliff, but that's not the real danger. The real danger is that the glass is going to break um, beneath their weight. And therefore, it's not like the danger of it. Oh, is it both? It's both. It's and both. then also, doesn't the, the raptor fall? Come on, Chris. Doesn't the, doesn't the raptor <laughs> fall on the glass as well? Raptor, no, mate. Isn't there a oh, raptor chasing? No, he's no, obsessed with raptors. It's Jurassic Park. Oh. <laughs> no, it's like a phone, like a faxy phone. Okay. A faxy phone's about to like fall through and someone catches it or some shit like that. Okay. Jeff Goldblum probably catches it. I can't remember, mate. It was a long time ago. So Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> One of the things that surprised me was how good the writing was in terms of how it was plotted. Right. Because every element tied into something. It was, it was kind of like uh, screenwriting 101. Okay. Uh, even a point where a character makes a ridiculous decision to the point that I was like, I'm out. Like, this is fucking ridiculous and then about two seconds later I was like oh that's why it all makes perfect sense was well, so they kind of like covered off every base or yeah they'd managed to they'd cover they'd checked all their pieces against each other like it made sense yeah which I thought was which I thought was really good what, um, what's the what is that what is that example I'd quite like to know about even so there's the Pete Postlethwaite character Oh, and there's another one. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, 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 ranger. the ranger or whatever. What, Chris um, Pratt? No, no, not Chris there's Pratt. One. There's another one. Yeah, okay. Who you think on. <laughs> another one. Yeah, whatever. Who you think <laughs> on, like, your side. Yeah, or Betrayal. Yeah. No one yeah. sees that. Yeah. Um, but he's got a thing about collecting. He's building a necklace. Mm -hmm. And they don't make a huge thing out of it. Like, like, he doesn't talk about it or anything like that. But you can see he's collecting dinosaur teeth. Ah. And he puts them together and he's clearly going to make a fucking necklace out of it at some yeah. point. Yeah. Um, and when the new fucking genetic hybrid thing yep. it is he is asleep or he's tranked it and it's asleep yeah the it's dinosaur. no longer a threat it's in a cage anyway but it's going like and he just goes and drops it yeah he then proceeds to open the cage and go inside and you're thinking right this is ridiculous it's going to get out the only reason you're going in there is so it can get out yeah and then so at that point it's like this fucking i'm oh of course you want a tooth from it uh, of course you would like it's it's only a little thing but you're like yeah okay it makes perfect sense now and the dinosaur's super intelligent so only pretending to be asleep oh, and it, well, it does it anyway it eats his arm and it's wicked oh you spoiler fucker can't watch it now can i it eats his arm and it does a very it does the alien ripley thing as well in alien 3 you know it's it? pressed right up against oh, but you see Fincher. him but you see this dude <laughs> crying which is which works really well oh it's a shame that that we're now old enough where those classic 
shots from Fincher, like for instance, Fincher in Alien 3, is being reused to an audience that have never seen it before, because that is the single greatest shot in the history of Alien. Yeah, that's fair to say. It's a def- it's a defining shot, isn't it? You look at it and everyone knows exactly what it is. I mean, I mean it does help I mean, that it's got uh, a fucking xenomorph ign- in it. Ignoring all the other stuff like the chestburster and, all, and the egg opening and the first time you see a queen and her with a flamethrower and uh, the kid called Newt and the tail the coming out of the water and, yeah. and there's a, it was the best shot in the history of Alien. <laughs> Fincher. So I did, I have actually seen something. Okay. I did watch Mindhunter at last. You finished it, yeah? Finished it. What did you think? What a fucking chip. <laughs> I needed, oh, yeah. my okay. expectations managed a little bit better. Thank you, Netflix. Because yeah, it does just kind of go, stop. Seriously. <laughs> Why don't they say pop? Yeah, yeah, I know, like, I know. This is, I, whoa. I just say, just tell me that I'm getting half of a season and yet they have to find funding to finish it off. Then I'll be like, oh, great. But with an epi- the penultimate episode, I'm thinking there is a lot to wrap up here, Tristan. Like, they've been teasing this sort of, like, central psycho character in the background in everyday life. We've seen him, like... That f- amazing like, as well. A minute of footage, 10 episodes or oh, something. Oh, the actual killer. The, the a- one who's out there. Yeah, the yeah, actual sorry. killer. It's been a while since I've seen it. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, um, yeah so they're teasing this, like, real psychopath that's on the loose, mm. right? <laughs> Netflix, you bastards! Great series. So, what's the? I've, I've heard it's been commissioned. The second half's been commissioned. Uh, what's Netflix? Paid for? Isn't it? There's like, hello, Netflix, a green lip. What's your series about? Well, not really, because it's like, I mean, where's the second half then? Yeah, they're, they're making it, Chris. No. It's right. I'm, gonna t- I'm touching his leg now. No. It's okay, Chris. It's no, been it's a, it's okay, a year. They're making it. Look at it. It's okay. In the meantime, just watch the rest of Alter Carbon. Oh, now that's that's you. You've seen more of that than I have. Oh, you hurting. love Alter Carbon. I don't know why I'm watching. What's wrong with it? It's so shit. And it's not shit. And it's so dull. Do you know what? Do you know why I like Alter Carbon? You've only seen three episodes. <laughs> yeah. You don't get to say that's like enough. It. You don't need any more. The reason why I like to watch it, old guy. You've gone to the woman who secretes drugs while she's being screwed. Do you remember that terrible Channel Five program that was on at like maybe half past midnight every night when we were in A level? What Eurotrack? <laughs> X, I never watched. Lex. Lex. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. Is that right? Is that what it's called? It's where science no fiction idea what goes it's called. to die. Yes. Channel 5, late 90s. Lex was, that's that the was woman with the, That was the one with the red hair and the massive boobies and the head. Yeah, the, the head. The droid. Yeah. Yeah, Lex. I used to love that shit. And it was fucking awful. <laughs> But in watching it, there was a certain pleasure in just how fucking out there it was, which is, I guess, the reason why some people unbelievably think Star Trek is good or has value. Now you're just poking the bear <laughs> deliberately. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> so look, what I liked about Mindhunter was it's great to see Fincher. I say it's, it's not really Fincher's series, is it? These kind of headline directors kind of poke their toe in it. They do the first episode and then they give it to a load of other guys and they kind of like reappear at the end for the last one, didn't they? I think he he directed maybe two or three of them at least. But the other directors who aren't Fincher, who have to direct the Mm. shows in between them, his book ending, um, they have to embody 
Finch's visual style and its tone um, and the look and the feel of Mindhunter is gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely. Fincher's like crystal clear visuals. His photography is so fucking clean, mate. Yeah, I think I sent you a framing, like one, there was one particular picture where I was like, you know everything about the people mm. in, you know everything you need to know about the people from this one fucking shot. Yeah. It was just so beautifully, like it was a tableau that was so beautifully arranged. It's like, um, it's that, it's that intro, it's the CGI shots in Fight Club. They're so like, clean even though you're going through like a Starbucks cup and in a uh, like bin and coming out of it or flying through a building and seeing right down to the car park into the truck with the bombs in it panic room when it's like flying through the coffee cup handle mm. and stuff like that he's so clean he's like beautiful I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before so let's look at you've got Nolan He's yeah. a director at the top of his game. Yeah. And you've got Fincher, who's, again, director completely at the top of his game. Yeah. They have two fundamental different ways of approaching film right. in terms of the monitor, which I've always found fascinating. What's that? Which is Christopher Nolan doesn't watch the monitor. He's famous for it. He'd maybe look at the frame and that's it. He stands near the actors, obviously out of shot, and he's watching the performance with it through, through his own eyes. Does he not yeah. look through the camera's lens, the viewfinder? No. So he leaves that to his DP. DP, DP. He'll check a shot, but that's it during the take. He's watching the actors. Yeah, okay. As if you would in the theatre performance. Yes. Yeah. Fincher doesn't look at anything but the frame. Mm. He is fixed on the monitor. He does, yeah. when checking through the shot, he does left eye, right eye, which is left over from his RLM days because the left eye apparently is for composition because it's connected to the creative right side of the brain and then the right eye for checking focus and checking the technical elements because it's connected to the left hemisphere for the mathematical part of the brain. What? That's oh, what he I says can't. now. So, that is I mean, I started, level shit. I started aping him. Like, I did that for ages. And fucking, when you see Alex again, ask him, like, because we started doing it when we were shooting stuff and our stuff got better because of it. But I don't genuinely think it was because of left eye, right eye. I think it's because we were just actively considering Considering the frame right. more than we were okay. beforehand, but anyway, so his his thought, his thinking is, there's no point looking at anything other than what's in the picture because the picture is all the audience is going to see. Because yeah. what's Nolan watching them? Nolan's watching the actors, watching the actors, and anything that you see on the faces of the actors, the camera's going to pick up anyway. Yeah. Maybe he just feels more connected to it without a piece of glass between them. I don't know. It's interesting. It's just two fundamental different approaches. That's really from two directors who are animals. But for me, like Nolan doesn't quite come close to Fincher, you know, in terms of the films that they've made. I know like Nolan's a master director, right? He didn't have a crack at an alien film when he was fucking mind you he had a Batman thing when he was younger. Yeah, when he was see the thing the difference I found is that up until Dunkirk, I would say that Oh, people argue that uh, Nolan has a problem connecting with people, like character-wise. With an audience. With, 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 yeah. Um, Which is weird if he spends so much time looking at the characters, right? Isn't it? But they find, people find his films quite cold and maybe too cerebral. Not in a Kubrick sense, but... Maybe it is in a Kubrick sense, actually, because he, he made um, Interstellar, which... You know, he said was influenced by 2001. Yeah, but it's way better. I mean, <laughs> that, that was that was that was the best. Is that because yeah, I had to go? That's because I had to go with Star Trek, wasn't it? Yeah, no, no. But um, what I was going to say is, I've 
found more Fincher's films boring than I have. Fincher has a pace problem. Zodiac. Zodiac. Oh. Yeah. Is it just Zodiac now that I think about it? I think it actually, yeah. It's just, no, they're one for one because Dunkirk and Zodiac. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Pacing and Dunkirk? I was thinking more of boredom. What? There's nothing to connect to in Dunkirk. No, okay. Dunkirk's got no story to it. I was waiting. I was so desperate for my old man to watch it. And the torrent I got oh, down the phone shit, really? of how awful he thought it was. We was like, really? we just like, where were the men on the beach? It's like, there's literally nothing in that that matches anyone's account of being at Dunkirk. Mm. Blah, 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 blah. In terms of tension, obviously <laughs> fucking amazing, but the film's got no story to it at well, all. Well, yeah, I know. It. <sighs> It hasn't. You, it you can't does. argue that point. No, it's got. But it's, it's a ticking clock, isn't it? It's like, of, and therefore the story but of is what? just the There's no threat. The, you can't, the, the Germans aren't coming. They are. We're told they're coming. We never see them coming. Yeah, we do in the first shot. Not really. You see those kids running through a very, very modern France. Yeah. Like, so modern that I like, thought um... it was actually they were going to do a CGI thing and morph. I thought at one point those lads were going to run past like ghosts of modern people. Oh, like what? Yeah, like they were running down actual streets now. It's like, you don't know what once happened here. That's <laughs> what I thought was going to happen, which was like, like a shit. Walking past like an apple shop. It's just like, yeah, the dude's running past the, like doorbells and shit yeah, like yeah. that. I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Security cameras. I'm at least like, make an effort. Exactly, yeah. Like holograms <laughs> selling fucking phones. <laughs> Sex workers. Yeah, so what a sidetrack. So coming back to uh, Mindhunter. Yeah, Mindhunter was good, wasn't it? was I love the dude who plays the main psycho the one he keeps going to so yes we'll talk about that the um it took me a I knew nothing about Mindhunter going into it right me neither so it took me a while to figure out like you know what the point of it was Mm. and actually what it's um uh structure was and it's I don't know if it if this was it's original like intent and I might be wrong, but for me it felt like, you know the scene in Silence of the Lambs when she interviews Hannibal Lecter, right? It's that, except with a different serial killer each week or each episode. And without the glass. Yeah. Is that, is that what they were getting at? No, in, interview I don't with know. A, interview, with a, interview with a vampire. Not necessarily. I, well, I, didn't, I thought it took me back to a fascinating time of, oh, shit, somebody had to think of all... Because we've grown up in a world where there are such things as profiles for serial killers, mm. expected patterns. And the word serial killers. And the word serial killer, yeah. And it took me back to a point in time that I had never considered before, which was, oh, shit, somebody had to come up with these theories. Yeah. They hadn't even coined the phrase serial killer. Because in your own self-importance, you can't conceive of a time before you were born. So that's what I found interesting more than above anything else. Yeah. And of course, the struggle knowing, watching it with the hindsight, knowing that the character's decisions to push for all this research and all this shit are correct. Mm. And against, you know, and having to fight against what was practical and correct thinking at the time. And that's what I found almost as interesting if not more interesting than him sitting down with the killers. What was the setup then? Working at a time before all of my modern day well, no psychoanalysis. No psychoanalysis. No psychoanalysis. Remember, they're, they're giving, they're, they're saying that, you know, at that point they're still thinking people are just born bad. Right, that was it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the setup is that this new department has been formed 
No, um, it's not even been formed. He's trying to... Oh, yeah, no, there is a small kind of behavioral science unit-ish, yeah. but it's kind of like Mulder in the basement. Like, it's not... It's not really akin to anything and hasn't really got any direction. But what they're doing is they're using it to go out and take what they've learned on the job and teach it to local police. Yes, and you get to see the local police's reactions to that modern approach to forensics or psychoanalysis or psychology that they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. And that's a kind of joy, but, isn't it? But what, it, yeah, and it is a joy to see them coming up against the attitudes, but also then it happens more than once is when, w- once they're out of the bravado of the, the room, yeah. some cop will say, look, we've had this really, quietly, we've yeah. had this really fucking horrible case that we can't wrap our heads around and, mm. you know, what, could, could you maybe give us some insight on this? Mm. Like asking for help quietly. And that's the start of, yeah. you know, the next case. What I also yeah. found interesting, because you asked me ages ago when I first started talking about Mindhunter, you said, what's the Pat the Dog moment for the character, that lead, the lead character? Yeah. And I said he doesn't have one. Yes. His Pat the Dog moment is his failure to mm. talk somebody down. Yes. You sympathise with him because he's trying to talk, at the very first scene, yeah. he's trying to talk down a hostage taker and that he fails and the hostage taker kills his wife and blows his own head off. Mm. And that's your, that's why you sympathise with him because he fails. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was different. Fincher. Fincher, Fincher. Yeah, but again, like, I, I don't know if Nolan embodies that kind of appreciation for that level of economic storytelling. See, people took the biggest criticism, oh no, the two biggest criticisms actually of, of Nolan are that he's too cold yeah. connected and that his films are too long. I have never found a pace problem. He's used the same editor every time, a guy called Lee Smith, right. who I think is a phenomenal editor like in terms of pacing yeah just beautiful like uh, Batman Begins Dark Knight Inception Memento all of them just beautifully fucking one of my favourite films The Prestige yeah beautiful There's, I wouldn't say he has a pace problem what about Dunkirk though like Dunkirk used tech was more focused on technique than storytelling I physically found myself on the edge of my seat yeah like, it's tense as fuck yeah and I'm like and I, I found myself actively in the cinema thinking like why am I tense now I don't give a shit about any of these people mm. and it's because he and Hans Zimmer have used that yep. fucking ever increasing note that, yes, never, yeah, yeah, that yeah. never arrives well if you sit on a goblin chair long enough mate you're going to come exactly, up with a theory with a that, idea like that eats its own tail you know, which is the same principle, it's the same tone that they use for the bat pod in the Dark Knight. You... Uh, yeah, I do, but other people uh, might not, Tristan. So it has an ever-increasing tone. It just seems to keep raising. So it goes, the engine like goes... Oh, yeah, doesn't it? And the idea was that it was, they wanted it to sound relentless, yeah. like it couldn't be stopped. And their way of doing that musically was to create, was to come up with this tone yeah. that never, oh, that gives the impression of never actually climaxing. Pink. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> climax. <laughs> yeah. It's coming just, everywhere. You're just pointing your hand. Yeah. And so they took that, they thought, okay, we can, how can we use this to build tension? So none of the tension in that is built through character. <laughs> Which repeats itself. Yeah, it resets just constantly. And, just goes and that. Yeah, There's yeah, physically a ticking clock in it. Yeah. And it's like, how do we use that technique to build tension yeah. rather than character and peril? And there is peril in it, but you just don't give... Uh, you're not with anybody long enough to give a shit about them. There's but, some technically outstanding stuff. All the Spitfire stuff is incredible. 
Yeah. It looks beautiful. It's amazing. I like how he's fucked with time. Yeah. It's brilliant. Again, that's great. I thought, you know what? I thought he's needlessly overcomplicated. I agree that. with you. There's no reason for it at all. That's like, oh, I really want to do an art house film. It's like, well, then do an art house film. Like, I just, I just thought it could have been better signposted. You get like one thing in the start of each, like one hour, yeah. one minute, yeah, yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, what was the thing it said at the beginning again? Like, was it? A, is this? A, is this a day away, or a week away, or an hour, or a minute, or the what away? A second? Oh fucking god! Come on, because that, that for me seemed like needlessly overcomplicating it. Right? What an unnecessary way of telling a story. Yeah, do you know what <laughs> exactly. I mean? That, it's it's actually, ridiculous. That, it, it adds. It, it adds nothing to that film. It just covers up the fact that there's no fucking story to it. I, but do you know what? I didn't mind that because it was. Um, it's. It's a roller coaster ride. Like, literally, it's a fucking. You pay for your ticket. The bar comes down, and then it's like it goes. Yeah, that, and, and that is off. a perfect analogy for it as and well. It's, and I it's, agree. And you just you just go with it. You get thrown around, and at the end of it, you leave. You catch your breath, and you walk off. Mm. But I do believe that that's all he wanted to make of it. I don't believe he, he yeah, failed in making a better film. I think he. I believe he made the the, the exact. Film he wanted to make. I, I agree with you as well. I just think why that, why that film, why that topic, why? Because you could tell. It's a great statement to make as a director. I'm going to put you in a cinema. I'm going to strap you into a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. Trust me, you will not fail to believe and feel what I want you to feel. And I agree. But considering his track record, why couldn't he have done it with a story as well? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That should have been the icing on top of the cake. Yeah. Not the entire fucking cake. You mean like those bits in Inception when they go into the Inception land, which is kind of like high action, uh, sandwich between drama. Sandwich, well, there's no drama. It's fucking exposition upon exposition. <laughs> Rewatching. Re no, I'm not it, sure. You know how sometimes you, if you, you, it takes watching a film with a, another person oh to start seeing differences. Hell yes. Stuff. So, like, I put Inception on for my old man. Oh, shit, so did I. I wasn't. I, I was like, half an I, I hour. Knew, I nearly got like, fucking booed out of the room by <laughs> my own dad. <laughs> but I was watching it, it's just like, oh my God, this is. They're just talking about what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. Yeah. For hours, um, there's no drama in it. There isn't actually any drama. I watched it with my folks around Christmas. It's like, well, the same Christmas. time you're watching fucking Game of Thrones. Like, oh, Jesus Game of wept. Thrones has failed. Let's try Jesus Christ. Let's not go back there, <laughs> This mate. won't fail. Em said, I'm going to watch Game of Thrones. Should we start watching Game of Thrones? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's... Oh, oh, wait, oh did you say... Oh, God, no. The memories. Flashbacks. Flashbacks. Oh my god! We didn't get to the end. Yeah, well, both both my both my parents like it's a really weird thing happened. Like me and my brother, we said Inception's clash. You got to watch it. So we put it on at Christmas because we always have to come up. With, we always have to choose a film at Christmas because like who the fuck doesn't? It must have been within fucking seconds, but they looked at each other, those two, and they were like, mm -mm, "We're not having this shit." And then, like, they just started laying into it, like, out loud. Like, oh, come on. Or like, what? Oh, come What's this shit? I think my dad said. Ten minutes in, and they were fucking tapped out. Why? What was it? Was it that bad? I haven't watched it since. Nothing happens. Really? We were so We were so amazed that, like, it's a dream within a dream within a dream within a dream. Yeah. But it's 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 almost more Dunkirk thing, although there is a story fundamentally flawed, but like, oh, my God, I have to break into your mind so that I can go and see my kids in America because I'm not allowed there. Why not just bring your kids to France? Mines? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you fucking hell, yeah, exactly. Um, I still, I still like the film, but you've got to, you realise that, oh my god, it, it's all just them talking about god, yeah, what they're right. going to do with the odd chase and then some yeah. mind-bending set piece. Like, was it was it just as bad watching him with your old man as was my friend? Uh, why I've, do they know? <laughs> How can they see that shit? We can't. I just started. He also, he also fucked the Matrix off and I tried to show him that at Christmas. Oh, well, then he's got issues. Yeah, yeah. But um, I felt, I just felt coldness. That yeah. was just it. You can feel like you're, you're not, I can see you're not enjoying this. Yeah, and then you think, wait a minute. What is, oh, oh no, God, I'm yeah. a massive dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, this is why it's terrible, isn't it? It's I've like, told him that I like these kind of things. I remember trying to put on Star Trek for somebody and I was just like, oh, oh this right. was a bad choice. Yeah. Do you remember back in the, I'd say, quite late 90s, coming around my house, and my dad was watching Star Trek The Next Generation on Sky, <laughs> and he taught us about blocking. <laughs> he, he, taught, he said, by the way, you know those, you know these, these uh, shots here when fucking Picard is talking to uh, Riker? You know they're just talking to a camera, don't you? No, yes. No, I don't remember him telling us that yeah, at all. Yeah, like, I've definitely like, known that by then. What? He's like, no, look, they're just talking. You can tell there's no one on the other side. <laughs> I like, remember your dad going, oh, fucking bravo then, dad. <laughs> there's the, like, all the aliens and stuff like that, and your dad goes, I just don't buy it. Like, what? Like, space intergalactic space travel? Like, no, I just don't buy that he's his first officer. <laughs> he's fucking useless. What does Riker bring to the situation? <laughs> I still don't get what he was on about. We should get him on the podcast, mate. <laughs> oh, no, Riker he just likes tear to, me a Riker fucking just, arsehole. Riker just likes to like, sit, like, he has the Riker leg. He does. On the console. <laughs> no, he, no he, he strides over the chair, doesn't he? <laughs> Get a photo of this. <laughs> this is the Riker leg. Mind Hunter. <laughs> so who's best out of David Fincher and Christopher Nolan? Fuck knows. Let's, let's get him in I'd and have Fincher, a fight mate. to the death. I don't know. I'm, I'm a massive Fincher fan. <clears throat> also, the genius about Mindhunter was it had uh, that guy called Holt McCallany from Fight Club in it as the yes. top guy. Yeah, he was really good. I love that There's guy. The, all the performances. <laughs> They'll tell you what I did find quite dull, which was anything to do with the lead character and his relationship. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I was like, I get, it took me a while and then eventually I started warming to it. They go, okay, this is why she's here because she's much freer than he is and she's opening she's expanding his mind and stuff like that because he's very he's a very rigid human being yeah but to begin with in the first few episodes whenever a scene came up with the two of them especially when they were just fucking i'd literally just skip like there's no need for this to be here no i, I totally agree with you and it it wasn't just the first few episodes it was pretty much all the way through they, they kind of dropped the ball on that like there was a you know the bit where he catches her basically cheating on him in that in her um, yes. school yeah, environment yeah, yeah. thing yeah with that in the, with yeah that, that guy, weird right? dark yeah. the lights out experiment yeah exactly and he's kind of like and you're like as a viewer you're like okay they're done then he waits a couple of more episodes to find her drunk and has to analyse the fact that she doesn't want to be with him anymore and it's like what no we've been through this I thought you'd already split up he's like are you breaking up with me then and she's like yeah I am I thought you broke up with her. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> when you like, saw her hold cheating on, a minute. on you. Thought, yes. So that was slightly, as I think, where they, it was kind of a lost, dropped the ball a little bit. But these two incredible scenes in Mindhunter with the same bad guy inmate. Mm -hmm. 
which is the first time they meet the character who's now the really tall ugly yes. fat dude yeah the first scene when they interview him and they let him off his chains and the final scene when he hugs him yeah these two standout scenes or set pieces from Mindhunter mm. um, with the same villain Kempner the character Kempner character rather mm. who's that massive like six foot four fucking is this the one who severs his mum's head and then fucks it to disgrace her basically to demean her yeah as if cutting her head off wasn't enough yeah exactly so, so yes so the character learns about this before doesn't he he knows the kind he knows what this psychopath has, has done he knows all the like sickening things that he did to his mother and other women as well and then he confronts him and he's this like huge like but also soft strange he seems quite like mentally impaired he seems quite slow yeah to begin with but then you realise no he's not he's actually extremely smart he's just calculated he's yeah. thinking about everything he's saying yes because he wants to explain himself and leave no doubt sorry as well yeah but watch watch those scenes he seems like he could be a friend he's not that's the thing he's done he's done terrible horrific things mm. but he's doesn't scare you yeah. on a one-to-one -one basis. You imagine he could if he wanted to. Like, yeah. imagine if he stood in your personal space. Yeah, you'd be yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. fucking what's going on here? Yeah. But up until that point, you could imagine having a beer with him, having a conversation with him, which is what's actually happened. Yes. Isn't it? Because many police officers have actually... That, that's how he eventually got caught because he wanted to be yeah. but he would go and talk to policemen and befriend them and stuff like that so he's very warm and sociable yes and that's so well done because he's let off his leash so that Holden the protagonist can interview him he's not going to talk to me openly if he's chained up or in his cell and stuff like that and that's that, that theme is repeated throughout the uh, series with the other serial killers that they interview right Finch is a master at like showing rather than telling by filling the frame and moving the camera that kind of visual storytelling I've never seen this before in, um, in cinema the camera pans from the detectives towards the serial killer who has his back to the camera and he's in silhouette but the camera racks focus onto the silhouette like in the frame so that the protagonists lose focus. I've never seen a camera rack focus on a silhouette before because you can, because there's nothing to focus on. And I was like, oh, that's class. My eyes drawn to something that isn't there. It's an outline of something. It's like, um, it's an absence of picture. Exactly. It's this mm. fucking genius. And also in other scenes when he's talking, he's got when, uh, let's say that the, the Holden protagonist character is interviewing another serial killer. And it's that those introductory stages where you know how dangerous these serial killers are. And he'll put like a coffee cup between the serial killer and the detective. And you'll see like the steam come off it a little bit, but you'll know how it becomes like an image of fragility. You know that the serial killer could smash it and you worry that he will. And that is genius because he's saying to the audience without telling, he's showing them just by placing something in the frame that he's creating tension through that method. And that's the sort of stuff that Fincher does that is such gold. Um, that you really pick up on. But when you do, you're like, oh shit, I get this. So that's what, that's the parts of Mindhunter I love. And then going back to the, the two scenes that bookended that were incredible, was the, um, the scene with that same um, Kemper serial killer where he confronts him in the hospital, which is a Hannibal Lecter style scene. It's like Lecter's in hospital 
um, with someone else's face on. Yeah. Like he's he's outside of the prison. He's tricked. He's tricked his way outside of the prison. And um, when the Holden character confronts him, he realizes that he's in danger because the Kempner psycho has 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 identified that the uh, that the hospital doctors or the whatever they're called the wardens attention has lapsed because of the time so they're not watching the room they're switching shifts so he's alone with Holden the detective and Holden's in his space and he stands up from his hospital bed and he towers over him and Holden just basically gives up and in his eyes you see him like I'm I'm absolutely dead and the serial killer hugs him rather than kills him Come on, that's good shit, man. That's brilliant. really good shit. It's absolutely brilliant. So, it's almost like you think, oh my God, he's just been waiting for this one moment. Mm-hmm. The whole time he's been waiting for this one moment so that he can actually kill him. Yeah. And instead he just embraces him. Yeah. And you're like, and Holden is, loses shit. this is dark. Yeah. This is dark. Didn't Holden cry at this point as well? He, well, he, ra- he, ra- he runs away and then collapses and he can't breathe, can he? Like basically passes out in the corridor. Fuck. Genius. So good. And then they stopped it, Chris. And they fucking stopped it without telling me. Ah. Damn it. It was a good series. I'd forgotten. <laughs> I'd actually forgotten how good it was. Yeah. You've reminded me. Yeah. It, like, um, it has its shortcomings, like the stuff, the external stuff away from the crime solving, mm. but uh, which needed a bit more stuff going on. Um, but overall, I, re- I loved watching it. Mm. Really enjoyed His watching it. His co-star that. as well, the guy from Fight Club. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's brilliant. So he's good. solid. Yes, he he's is a rock solid. solid performance. Great, great character as well. That mm. kind of like a grizzled veteran having to learn and adapt, but also knowing more as well. Mm. So you see him like, the, the dynamic changes where he's like, he's always right in the yeah. first few episodes. It's like, you're doing it wrong. Trust me, you're doing it wrong. I told you you were doing it wrong. Now, can you can you learn, please? To, oh, fuck, I haven't seen that before. I don't know how to act. Um, now you're teaching me. Mm. So that's a joy. I also like that the, um, the bosses aren't cliched as well. The bosses are very anti what they're doing, but they're not just dicks for the not like the 90s boss who's just a dick for the sake of it you know as soon as they and I've seen it in a couple of things as well as soon as the boss who's an obstruction to this as soon as he finally sees the merit in what they're doing he's 100% behind it and now it's his fight to try and get it accepted by the higher ups as well I think that's really good writing yeah because it would be it would be cliched for him to have like a fucking Jonah Jameson boss yeah, well, it doesn't understand the value of what exactly. they're doing. Exactly, you're not going to have in the FBI. You're not going to have somebody stupid rise yeah. to that position. And I like the intelligence of them giving weight to that. When are we going to see a TV series directed and created and devised by Christopher Nolan? And I what would it be? I don't think he's. Well, Jonathan Nolan's smashing it West at the World. moment. Well, he'd had he did before that he did Person of Interest, which is nice. the building blocks for Westworld. Clearly, because it's. Uh, I thought the building blocks for Westworld were Westworld. Mm. No, but in terms of all of. Uh, or the running thread through the four seasons of Person of Interest is about AI. What's Person of Interest? Okay, so it's a mid range TV program, a bit like Knight Rider. Or Lex. <laughs> <laughs> you can't put Lex in mid range. Lex. L E X X. There was X as well, but that's something different. I thought it was called Lex, like the Dark World or yeah, something. Yeah, it was Lex, but it's L E X X. Wow. 
Yeah. So Nolan's been doing Person of Interest, which is about... Jonathan um, Nolan. Jonathan Nolan. Christopher Nolan's American brother. brother. Yeah. Why is he an American brother? Because his brother went and studied in Chicago when they were younger and ended up, and then went to uni and ended up staying there and obviously one, picked up the accent. You can't accent. have two brothers, one British and one American. You, you can, it just fucks with your mind. No, I'm not, I'm not. Uh, Michael Emerson's created a machine, it's called The Machine, mm. uh, which has tapped into every security camera, every microphone, like in America. Mm-hmm. And it builds up basically threats, potential threats for the American government. Oh, you mean it, it captures it potential captures, threats? Yeah, potential threats, identifies them, and then the American government eliminate them before they become a problem. Like a more shit minority report? Yeah. Within the course of him manufacturing it, he was getting lots of false positives, or they were getting people who were deemed, like, who were going to be killed yeah. and murdered, but weren't a threat to national security. Yes. Yeah. Like, um... Tom Cruise's character in Minority Report. <laughs> so what he's done is he builds, basically makes every, mid, uh, every midnight, so it spits out a list of people who are going to be killed and all they get is a social security number. Yeah, or, or a red or a blue ball. Or a red or a blue ball. Yes. And you never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they have to, they never know, unlike the red and blue ball, they never know whether that person is somebody who's going to commit a murder or somebody who's going to be murdered. Colin Farrell. In Minority Report. <laughs> So Jonathan Nolan's had four years of doing the of working with the concept of AI and the machine. It's called the machine, and it's constantly learning and stuff yes. like that. It's a very middle of the road series. It has some great highs and lows. Michael Emerson is fantastic in every scene he's in. He's is that just, the guy from Lost? Yeah, is that the leader? No, it's the guy is it called the leader. I can't remember. He's the guy who parachutes in, and he's caught. You never oh, know whether he's a good bio, guy or bad guy for ages. Oh. But yeah, that's, my, that's, that's strange from Lost, isn't it? That you don't figure out. Yeah, what you don't figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah. So, so then he's Jonathan Nolan's then gone on to Big Boy School. Yeah. Which he was always in anyway. But I mean, in terms of his ideas that he's gathered while because shooting. Big Boy School for Jonathan Nolan was. I meant Heath in Ledger. terms of I meant in terms of the ideas behind it, not in terms uh, of the sorry. quality of his filmmaking. Okay, sorry. But you can imagine when he was doing all the research, there was stuff that just wouldn't fit into what they were trying to do. Yes. Um, so that's where Westworld, I think, has come from. I don't know how he landed that Westworld gig like probably off the back of that is like must have pitched it like that like here's the here's the knowledge of or here's what I want to talk about I, I kicked it off. Here's my proof of concept. Yeah, totally. And I want, to, I want to redo Westworld, and I think I'm ready for it. And what I want most of all is a character played by a British actor who is awful. What? So bad. What? You know, like the writer. Oh, he's terrible. I he's thought so were, bad. I what, what? What? Fucking Tony? Oh, no. Yeah, the, oh, yeah, there's loads of British actors. Isn't there? Yeah, Sorry. No, he's awful. He's absolutely yeah. diabolical. <laughs> I swear he wants more than, more than anything. <laughs> what a spanner Just, oh, he is. So miscast. Fucking, you were saying, what would a Christopher Nolan TV series be? And I said, I don't know, but Jonathan Nolan's already smashed it, so it doesn't matter. Christopher Nolan, he has gone from focusing on like memory loss and, and memento to prestidigitation in the prestige to dreams to corporate america to space <laughs> to batman and then you know that's fucking that's a broad palette <laughs> that he's painting with like wouldn't you want to do that yeah of course yeah. I don't know what my point is other than to <laughs> absolutely say. start wanking over him <laughs> shit man that's what that's a modern day Spielberg with less fun like you can't imagine Christopher Nolan doing a family movie can you yeah of course 
<laughs> no, yeah. I can't. Yeah, you can. He's not at all. He just hasn't got the magic. Yeah, that's right. what's missing. That his, that's what's missing from his filmmaking. I'd love to see Empath- Chris, empathy. Yeah, Christopher Nolan would never do ET. He's incapable of that at the moment. He's more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe not. And probably, to be fair, not even interested. That's and that's okay. I think that's the point. Yeah, it's like he. he I think the films that end up being um, screened are, the, are like the near as perfect his vision on celluloid right because I don't think he cares about those other stuff but then again I think he went as deep as he could with um, Interstellar the relationship between the the father and daughter in that I love I think is brilliant and her eventual then hatred of him for him not turning up and when at the end where he sees her yeah and she's what well, Merv and she's there and she's an old lady and stuff like that it fucking breaks my heart oh it's it was wonderful. Ellen Bernstein as well wasn't it huh wasn't it Ellen Bernstein yes yeah maybe Nolan wipes the floor with Fincher I think they go head to head Fincher do you think, mate I, I do don't think know they... there's something like Fight Club Alien he's 3 angry. he's angry he was angry after Alien 3 girl with the dragon tattoo yeah I'm not I'm, even though like why would you remake that Sork, what even though Sorkin though mate oh, come on social network yeah. social network I love yeah. but what I don't get is why do why do that remake of the girl with the dragon tattoo mm. because I like the original very much yeah I like Finch's very much yeah they're fucking identical yeah in so many ways they're so similar I need to put them on side by side and just start Checking yeah. the differences. What, how would you describe, like, sum the, up Finch's direction, his directorial style, rather? There are some directors who talk about happy accidents. Yep. I don't see Fincher. I'm sure they do happen. Or Nolan, either. Yeah, but they, he doesn't strike me. They don't strike me as the time. Maybe in the acting, because he talks about the reason he does, like, 25... 30 takes does he is that, yeah, yeah. Is that what he's famed for yeah Fincher because he says the really interesting stuff starts happening around take 11 take 12 yeah yeah which is well, it sounds so and fucking I've heard, tedious I've, you know I've heard people say the opposite of that mm. um, you can take it way too far and go into something like you know 70 or 80 takes oh. which was in the case of Meet Joe Black which is why it couldn't make any money because they just spent so much that is really weird that you mentioned that film because I have a soft spot for it. Yes, I know, because we watched it at your university campus, like in Wakefield. Did in, we? Yes, you showed it to me, I think. Um, it's about five hours long. It feels But also, um, I was going to say, I tell you someone that wouldn't deal with that, put up with that kind of shit from a director. Anthony Hopkins? Yes. Not anymore, yeah. No, he's fit, because... Um, who, who won't rehearse. Yes. He won't even join in rehearsals, will he? When I was in LA last year and was listening to that talk from Brett Ratner before he'd been outed as the slime oh. all that he is. Ratner? Um, he was talking about Red Dragon and he was talking about how... Did Ratner direct Red Dragon? Yeah. Fucking hell. And he was talking about how scarred Anthony Hopkins was from doing... Meet Joe Black. From Meet Joe Black and the 70 or 80 takes. and Because he doesn't like to do more than four takes. No, yeah. And and fair enough, he's earned that right. He's good. If you don't get it in four with Anthony Hopkins, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. And... Brett Ratner didn't want to work that way and he said he was going to like seven or eight takes and stuff like that and eventually they got a call from his agent saying oh yeah apparently Brett is going all Martin Brest oh, like he's properly freaking out so Brett Ratner invited Hopkins, Hopkins to come and watch the dailies, dailies yeah. and he said like you know he'd watch the first four takes and then after like take five six seven he's starting to kind of sit uncomfortably in his chair kind of watching 
like the shit acting that's ha- his perception of him being shit. What Hopkins is Hopkins, like squirming, watching yes. himself back. Yeah, basically. And then he sort of says he gets to kind of take nine, take ten, and he starts relaxing a bit and really getting well. Supposedly, you know, who knows? According but, to Ratner. According to Ratner, the slime ball, Ratner. Right. But if he was telling the truth, then that's fucking fascinating. Interesting, isn't it? But this, sorry, this, so this harks back to the whole 25 takes thing with Fincher. Mm. But also he did that for, because he talks about that so, a lot at the beginning but, of Social Network. But wait a minute, Hopkins' performance did get better after, well, after sort of stringing him out. In the, yeah, somewhere. so you get the first four takes, which are gold, yeah. then you get a lull, and then you start getting to an interesting place again yeah. once you start warming up out of that. Apparently. Yes. Because, I mean, there's no way he did more than four takes on, on Westworld, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is some of his best work, I think. Is it? I think his acting in Westworld's phenomenal. There's know, a clip man. on YouTube that yeah. is just that somebody's gone through the entire first season and cut out all of Hopkins' scenes and strung them together one after the other. I've watched it so many times. An hour of Hopkins. Just again and, yeah, just, just again and again. <laughs> Especially the scene where he sat in the in the, the restaurant outside against that other executive. It's oh, phenomenal. Yeah. That scene is a game of chess. Yeah. And it's superbly executed. Every time she thinks she's on top, he throws just something else at her. Um, but what I've seen is I've seen somebody deconstruct that. Yeah. It's really it's funny because they don't know the fir- they clearly don't know the first thing about how Hopkins works. Because of course I do. <laughs> but, I was going to say, are you his best mate? Yeah. But but they talk about the, they deconstruct that scene and talk about every little gesture and moment about why he's so good. But they're talking about it in the. F- in the tense like he's planned it yeah and if you know anything about Hopkins you know that he doesn't plan beforehand he reads the script about 200 times we're trying to keep it completely neutral so all he's doing is committing it to memory yeah. and then he's acting in the moment he's doing a proper Meisner-esque kind of reading of it yeah because isn't his advice to people just read the lines yeah just go off impulse just read it because when we're talking say it when we're talking right now yeah we might be f- considering what we want to say in advance a little bit I'm, not, make I, I'm absolutely not <laughs> but most of the time you're not thinking about what you're saying before you say it or how you're saying it or, or how you, you look say saying it exactly that's his thing and that's yeah. what I try and get actors to do when I'm working with them as well. I think you learn it to the point that you can forget it. Then you're doing Robert Downey Jr. or you're doing John C. McKinley or you're doing... Like that kind of patter... That wait, are you saying that they're doing they all good work? work in a, or they all work? work in a very similar way in terms of their preparation. Right. Okay. Which well, is learning it to the point that you can fucking forget it. Okay. Cool. Uh, Downey uh, Jr. Yeah. apparently puts it all the script all up on the wall and then starts removing letters from the words. Isn't that just because he's bored and rich? Well, probably. But he Come doesn't. On. But he doesn't consider he knows the script until he can do it all that way. Uh, John C. Uh, McGinley yeah. will do it while doing other stuff, like fucking juggling while doing his lines. Yeah, because you forget, like, that these, these fucking A-list actors have to grind out learning lines still, you know, like you do in school. Well, you do get... It depends who you are, and you do get... And depending on how frequently you do it, you get better at it as well. Like, for, I remember mm. reading in, um, in Still Me, which is Christopher Reeves' autobiography. Oh, yeah. He talks about learning, learning his lines on the bus on the way to work every day. Yeah. And, you know, and some actors, you can, you can read it once or twice and it's, it's in there. Yeah. Um, if you're comfortable working that way, then fine. Other people, you're right, they have to fucking sit and grind yeah. this stuff out. 
Yeah. Because if you fuck up, you know, you're wasting, you could be wasting thousands of, of dollars at a time. Especially if you're shooting on film. Yeah, totally. That's just burning well, not money. Even that. Just, Forget just... that. Michael Caine talks about in his book. Like, imagine you've got like a hundred horsemen coming over the hill, yeah. you know, charging, and all you've got to do is say one line. And he talks about fucking it, like his first thing. Well, like the man who would be king or something. Well, even even before that, but just kind of like fucks his line. And it's like, great. It's going to take us two hours to reset no, now. Yeah, no, because, that's yeah, not right. It's going to take us two hours to reset everything and cost us this much because you can't say one fucking line. Oh no. Lots of his early career stuff is horrible. Fuck it sounds, you know, sounds evil. <laughs> well, look, we need to wrap up. We need to wrap up, really. Who's the best director out of David Fincher and David Nolan? Put your answers on Twitter and tell us all about it. Christopher Fincher or David Nolan? Who's your best director? Twitter. Oh, David Nolan. Well, I hope you like this week's rambly Nolan and Fincherfield catch-up. I certainly did. Tristan, did you? I did. I loved it. And we can't wait to see you again next time but seriously who is your favourite director is it Christopher Nolan or is it David Fincher get mine's on David Fincher I wasn't asking you Fuck. get on Twitter tell us all about it tweet it at Box Fresh Films do it at Box Fresh Films <laughs>